When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. All right, guys, we are going to have a debate today. We know how much Mark hates to uh, be opinionated about a certain player. Well, let's be honest, mate. Any any uh, debating background from your schooling years, mate? Uh, no, I think if there had been some sort of a debate team or something, I would be uh, would have been on it for sure. I. Uh, I started a law degree because I wanted to uh, argue with people for a living before I realized all the paperwork and reading that was associated and left. Right. So. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> well, today, guys, something a bit different. We're going to go through about 20 players here. Each person we're going to, I'm going to take the positive, then I'll take the negative uh, on the next player. And we're just going to go back and forth at that. I, really, the goal of this is to provide as much clarity for you as possible we're really going to delve into each part, obviously the positive and the negative, and you can make your decisions uh, on each one. Some of these players we're both going to have in our team, but we're just going to show you the positive and the negative uh, on both of them there. So I'm going to kick it off with the positive on Payne Haas. So he's very, very highly owned at 45%. It's absolutely crazy, I think. Compared to last year, he was actually a much lower ownership and was so much cheaper. So yeah, anyway, we'll get into on the positive side of things. Really, what you want to be looking at with Payne Haas is his first six or seven games. Anything really before Origin is absolutely massive scoring for Payne Haas. You look at last year and his lowest score was a 62 in that first seven, seven matchups. And then you go back to our 2022 stats as well. And that was the year he didn't end up getting injured through this middle part here, sort of from round eight onwards there. You can see he missed round nine. He had a couple of 40s in there. But he started with an absolute bang, again, hitting 58 as his lowest score across that time. So really with Payne Haas, you know you're getting consistency each and every week. The low scores aren't really there for him. It's only usually post-origin or it is injuries for Payne Haas that ends up giving you some problems. And therefore, he is a terrific person to start in your round one team because we know how important last year was just actually locking in those points when you're spending up rather than myself with a Scotty Drinkwater or someone like that who managed to stink it up in those first few games last season. 
Marky, take it away on the negatives for Payne Haas. Yeah, a good start actually for me because I, uh, I, I actually do feel negatively about Payne Haas. So I'll actually be saying my, uh, my actual opinion on this. Um, so we discussed it in the Broncos pod, which was just released. Uh, Payne Haas actually had a career low in minutes last year, and it seems pretty clear that uh, Kevy Walters is is sort of trying to limit him to about that 60-minute mark rather than pushing him. Obviously, you can see those first couple of games there. He played 65, but I think there maybe was a player out. Anyway, um, what we saw from Haas last year was sort of base stats were sort of in and around what they were previously, but the attacking stats were just massively inflated. So he had his lowest minutes of his career on average, but his highest attacking output ever, uh, even though he had sort of, a, it wasn't like a try spike inflation either. It was just, you know, tackle busts and offloads. Uh, and a lot of it was, you know, him running a little bit wider and also the Broncos performing really, really well. Obviously they made the grand final and should have won it if they hadn't choked. So, mm. You know, in my opinion, I think the Broncos maybe are, are due for a little bit of regression back to sort of the bottom of the top eight, or, you know, I've got a bet that they missed the finals completely. Uh, <laughs> so obviously with that, uh, sees Payne Haas go back to normal, which is, I mean, he's awesome, but, you know, it's a it's a one or, ju- or around about one PPM instead of 1.1 PPM, which is what he was last year. And he goes back to a 60 average and makes him four points overpriced. Yeah, completely. I completely uh, can completely agree with a bunch of that stuff. I suppose, yeah, the big positive is just those starts over the last few years. And if you're looking to trade him around origin anyway, then it could be a no-brainer. But um, I do see both sides personally myself. Okay, moving on to Jamal Fogarty. You can go with the positive side to Jamal first. But before, I have a little bone to pick with you on Jamal. Mm-hmm. Given you were the biggest advocate for him about a month ago, and then on the pod the other day, you're telling me that he hasn't been in your team for a good while now. Uh, no, I don't think so. No, he's definitely in my team. Uh, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll get the boys to go back and check that that recent Maybe. pod. Maybe. One of the last three, okay, I think yeah. it was, that said he hasn't I, been in the um, team for a few weeks. So anyway, no, it's a positive. Somebody else. I, don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I definitely uh, had a bit of a, I, I definitely wavered on him for a little bit there though, but he's sort of been in and around. I was sort of flipping with the idea of maybe pushing him up to Moses or something like that. And okay. I actually went back and reread my own article and reminded myself about all the reasons why I like him. So yeah, that's what um, you were saying. Pretty, pretty simply, I, um, I had a bit of a look at uh, what teams with strong dominant kickers look like in terms of their distribution and i mean you know panthers sharks warriors and broncos all sort of have uh teams with one sort of dominant kicker and they're coincidentally all top eight teams last year so i mean i think maybe there's there's some science to that in terms of a clear direction i think uh it sounds to me like that's the way they're moving with fogarty obviously ko weeks seems to be the favorite in the six uh and chevy stewart in the one neither of them have a noted kicking game, obviously, uh, you know, we'd still be predicting like, you know, hundred meters or so for whoever is in the spine, the hookers don't kick at all. Uh, so really I'm, I'm sort of expecting Fogarty to do sort of 85 to 90% of the kicking, not a hundred percent or somewhere like that. So, um, I, I looked at, uh, how many kick meters there were on average and I, I sort of see, I'm not giving him a huge bump, only two and a half to three points in, in kick meters. Uh, you know, we're talking about 
you know, 60, 90 meters a game type of thing. Nothing sort of over the top. Um, and then um, obviously he picks up the goal kicking with the retirement of Croker. So that's another six points. So, you know, you're just looking at a, a, a really nice discount there. So just, just, you know, two or three points in, in play kicking, six points in goal kicking, and you're at, uh, you know, a mid fifties average. Did you see much on with those guys that became that really big dominant playmaker? Did they pick up any sort of attacking stats on that? Yeah, there was actually. I had a bit of a look at um, just Sean Johnson as a comparison. He, you know, he ran for an extra ten meters a game and a half a tackle bust or something like that. No. Um, I think it just, you know, it's a function of having your hands on the ball. You have a little bit more base. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're in and around the ball, you're likely to pick up more try assists, but you know, I, and I know Sean Johnson, obviously you might be thinking, well, Sean Johnson is a completely different player to Jamal Fogarty. Uh, but if you have a look at Sean Johnson's 2022 stats, mm-hmm. um, Fogarty actually had more run meters, more tackle busts, uh, and a very similar try scoring and try assist rate to what Johnson did in 2022. So they're not different at all in terms of the numbers although the eye test wise they are yeah probably the biggest thing with that is that johnson and his team became incredible whereas it's probably hard to see the raiders doing the same that that'd be where i'd see it a negative yeah, on it i mean i uh i i mean we were talking last year about how we thought the warriors were going to get the spoon so yeah you know if, if you look at the raiders they've got a lot of similarities to the Warriors last year, big forward pack, lots of, you know, good depth in the forward as well. Guys can play, you know, off the back and and maybe the direction will help. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. There's definitely a lot of similarities. My only main other issue with Jamal is he's someone I've had over the years too, but it's just the the lowest scores that he had throughout the year. Like there's a 20 in there. There's a, a, you know, a couple of high 20s, a bunch of 30s as well, which obviously the more, the more top guys don't have as much. He's probably a little bit more on the on having the lowest score side than even like a, a Moses, obviously, who is a much higher scorer. Um, but we see Moses as a fairly volatile type of guy. And probably just to be aware of that with Fogs that he, he will likely have, let's just say he does have that bump in in base. He'll still have probably those low 30s games when when these things aren't happening for the Raiders. So are you are you able to stomach that, I suppose, is the big thing uh, as an owner of Fogs. If he does come out with a couple of 30s or let's say a 38 and a 30, a 40, like he did, um, you know, last year, can you stomach that this year? All righty. Brandon Smith, he's a fun one. I'm kind of warming to him a little bit more. I've been kind of keeping my head away from him, to be honest with you, uh, on this one with Brandon. But I suppose the positives for him is we did see when he was a little bit more fit last year. And when he's fit in general, he does seem to score very, very well in sort of that 60-odd minute role, which for Brandon that's all we should be expecting from him because when he dominated for the storm, that's what he was playing. Like he'd have highs of sort of the 70, a minute mark. You see three there back in, in 2022 and, and the start of 2021 there. Uh, and even games at the the back end of last year, when he did well, it was sort of 72, 67, you know, even some, some of the sort of low sixties games is where he has scored a right to a 68 there in, in 40, uh, 48 and 68 minutes there. So, and that was when he wasn't, uh, wasn't fit at all. So he's definitely one of those guys that doesn't need the full 80 minutes that a lot of other hookers do because of the attacking stats and the like that he can provide. People are saying that, you know, Connor Watson is going to take a, a chunk of his minutes. Does Radley play the full 80 this year? Does, you know, Watson take a few of those 13 minutes and maybe sort of, you know, 
15 or something like that at nine. And if that's the case, it is 15 at nine, then, then Smithy is still going to be a, a very good buy um, with really not too much downside uh, and only real upside there up towards that 10 points or so with the jewel. Yeah, I um I find Brandon Smith really hard. I was really mm. lukewarm on him last year and we ended up all just jumping on because uh, everybody else was on. And one of our sort of game theory principles is around, you know, not swerving away from high ownership sort of players. But um, look, at, I mean, just looking at last year, uh, even if you take out the two sub 40 minute games, his average is only 43 in 63 minutes. And, you know, they had Drew Hutchinson. Uh, they're doing uh, a little bit of hooker and Sandon Smith and a few other sort of guys, whereas Connor Watson is a, is a rigid didge guy who can play hooker. So I guess my concern is, is I, I, even if Radley only plays like 60 minutes a game, the Roosters have so many forwards. They really don't need Brandon Smith to be going 80. Um, My, my other concern with Brandon Smith is in the past where he's been really good. A lot of it's been the try scoring rate. So Mm. if you have a look, um, you know, it was 15, 20, 50 and 15 across 2019 to 2022 percentage wise. Uh, and then he was down at like 10% last year. And I think that's kind of reflective of the uh, the NRL sort of playing more towards the sidelines um, than in the middle of the field. So I guess my concern is is he's could be a 43-44 average in 65 minutes rather than a 47 to 50. And I mean, he's priced at what, 37 or something like that. So 39, even higher. So. 30, there you go. Yeah. So yeah, just it could it could be that you're only getting sort of five points of value, and and I think we can do better. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving along to Ruben Cotter. There, go away with some uh, positives for him. Yeah, obviously, I uh, love Ruben. I'm a Cowboys fan. If you don't know that, <laughs> uh, Cowboys boys. <laughs> um. Yeah, obviously the big concern for Ruben is is his points per minute fluctuates pretty aggressively. Uh, if you look at the the sort of there's a bit of a blend over the last three years is PPM sort of ranged from 0.8 to one. Uh, but I think a lot of that is, you know, Ruben goes as the Cowboys go. And I think maybe there was a bit of reading their own headlines last year um, in the off season. And it seems like they're back to work now. And I'm, I'm really expecting big things from Ruben this year with, you know, taking on the, the shared captaincy. I think there's a, a pretty consistent 60 ish minute role there for him and an average of about 50. So he's been in my team for a while. I don't see, I don't foresee me taking him out. Definitely. Yeah. And he's just one of the, as he said, the, the PPM is a big mover. Also the minutes are a big mover as well. And, uh, yeah, I suppose the, the big thing to take out of that with with Todd Payton was just he said they're about three weeks ahead of where they were last season, which is is only really a good sign for him. I suppose the the main issue with with Cotter is you do need him to get a sort of at least to that 50 mark. Otherwise, it's kind of like, eh, it's okay as a starter. Look, most of these guys, you want them to at least make some money, but someone here that you are likely going to have to trade out uh, by the time Origin comes and, and if he's only made just sort of that 40 or 50K or he does come out and, and has a bit of a struggler, you see he started with a 60, which was great, but then was 41, 38 and 42. And, and with those four scores, even with that 60 in there, he's not moving at all. So, you know, you can have the higher ones, he can have the lower ones. And again, 
do you have the stomach to, to be able to cop some of those uh, lower scores as well? The other big thing here is their draw. It's actually fairly solid. It's uh, not as pretty as last year, but let's just say they do come out and start really well. You can imagine the likes of Drinkwater and, and a lot of the outside backs to be getting a few more points and then a, a, be a little bit less in the base stats through there. So yeah, a little bit of a narrative there, but um, yeah, it could go either way for sure with Ruben. Let's move to Raymond Faitala Mariner. I actually want to give you the positive side for this because I did hear about the uh, the bet with um with, the, with, the, with Eddie from in the bin um yeah which is which is pretty funny and uh I'm not as bullish as you I'm a little bit more in the middle slash to the other side just because we need mm -hmm. to see it but go ahead son yeah so I mean obviously this is all contingent on him uh winning that second row spot and there is some noises coming out of the dragons about uh, Dylan Egan, I think it is, who's a young young guy there that Flano's been talking up, although that could just be, you know, coach speak. Um, I think that for me, you don't just go out and sign a player like, you know, they're obviously looking for specific things and the, the left edge back row seems to be one that's pretty obviously needing a, a, an upgrade. Obviously, they played Dan Russell there at times last year, Jack Bird, uh, and I think that they just went to go and get Fatala Mariner. Obviously he in the past has been a really strong PPM player on the edge. Uh, if you look at his career uh, where he plays at least 50 minutes uh, up until the point where he did his foot in 2021, uh, he was sort of a, a fringe keeper level scorer. Um, you know, 2015, 16, it was 49 average, 2017, 48 average, 2018, 50, 2019, 50, and 2020, 52. Uh, so, I mean, he was great. And then obviously did his foot uh, pretty poor in 2022 and 23, across 12 games. It's sort of, you know, ho-hum 40-ish. Uh, but I, I've got a really, you know, good feeling that, uh, you know, a change of scenery is, is going to be good. And Flano seems like a coach that can get something out of him and, and he'll be, uh, yeah, looking to sort of, you know, get through that work, work in the Dragons. And, and yeah, I, I, I see a mid to high 40s, low 50s average player there. And with with the mid-jewel, he's, you know, he seems like a fill-up if he's on the edge. Yeah, yeah. Mark, his bet was that he has to go over 50. So, um, yeah, oh, that's his it's opening. It's, 600, it's 650K. I don't think it's quite 50. 50? I think okay. it's probably, yeah. it's probably like 47 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, that's awesome. A 31 break even, that would be an absolute slam dunk with the dual position. Okay. On the negative side, 2020 was a long, long time ago. That's coming into almost four seasons ago now. So plenty of positives from back there. 2022, also solid. He makes enough money for sure in that one. But yes, that's a long time ago. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. And the second one there, you've got Dan Russell, you've got Tom, Tom Eisenhuth, who is also a obviously a good player. He's he played with the Storm. He's, he's done a great job. And then there's a lot of talk about Ryan Couchman as well. And that's four guys fighting for one spot. So I suppose for for Raymond, is is he going to be getting close to that 80 minutes or is that going to be closer to a 60? And, you know, with his issues coming off that that foot injury and, and getting a bit older as well, like, you know, we're talking back to stats from all the way back to 2015 when he first started. So almost a 10-year vet now. Uh, does he play those massive minutes? Is it down to a 60? Is he the same player? Does any are any of those other guys going to try and take his spot? And again, this is all contingent on him getting that start. But if he does, I can see positives and negatives either way. All righty, let's go to Kyle Flanagan. So a very interesting one there at 349K, the break even at 25. There's definitely plenty of interest from a lot of coaches there. 18% currently own him. And he is going to be getting that starting 5'8 spot with the Dragons. And there's been a fair bit of talk from his dad. Obviously, that is a helpful one at that of him looking to take a little bit more control of this team. And what does that mean exactly? That means uh, we don't know. But it could be that he takes a little bit more of the kicks in general play, which you see across a bunch of his games there at halfback is that he hasn't been a massive kicker of the footy and he still has some really solid scoring there. So we'll scroll right down. There's plenty of games there at halfback now and that's a 42 average. But again, we're looking at sort of 2020 and 2021 numbers in in there a lot. We take that even to 2022 and it is at a 32, which is seven points there. And with a kick meter tally of 77 is very, very low. So if that's the case and he's taking a little bit more control of this team, then he could definitely go well above the 100 kick meter mark. I wouldn't think it'd be anything above 180 to 200, but that's still three or so points of value. And then in 2023, that was a 33 uh, number there at halfback, which again is eight points of value. And that was up more at 120 kick meters there. We look at 5'8", we need two. He's a 33 there in one game last season. And then 2022, he didn't play in that 5'8 spot. But again, you wouldn't expect it to be too drastically different playing at six or seven, but his role anyway, given that his kick meters were fairly low. So pretty safe guy. His base stats are pretty solid defensively. Uh, and that's exactly what you want to be looking at. Can he get some kick meters? Can he get some base with his defense? Uh, and then the odd, you know, try assists and the like there, which he only has one in, uh, you know, in, in 2023 last year. So you'd imagine a little bump on that, um, which will be helpful for his fantasy stocks on the negative side, Matt. Yeah, uh, Flanagan's one. I'm really hoping that I actually don't have to get him. <laughs> uh, and the, you know, just a couple of things, obviously, uh, in this, the goal kicking is going to be really important, If whether he gets the goal kicking or whether it's Lomax. Obviously, Lomax in the past has been a pretty poor goal kicker, but definitely ramped it up. He's actually improved his goal kicking percentage four years in a row um, in terms of what he gets. I think he was in the low eighties last year, which is pretty impressive. So um, down up from like 60 something in his, in his sort of first year when he's kicking. So um, if it is that Lomax is still the goal kicker, I think there's a very real possibility that we're looking at a low thirties rather than a mid thirties. Uh, you know, if you look at, 
all the half games combined over the last two years, uh, it's an average of 32.3, but that's with 0.8 in goal kicking. So th- it makes it 31 and a half, which, mm. you know, he's priced at 25. So that's kind of only six and a half points. And it, that it's, it's that's not a cash cow. He's nowhere near a keeper, obviously. And you can't start him on a weekly basis. And he's in the 300s. So, you know, you want to, if anyone in you is in your emergencies, you really want them to be 200 and something. You certainly don't want to be paying 300 and something for a guy that you can never, you never want to put in your scoring 17. Uh, obviously if he kicks the goals, it's completely different. Um, the other part of it, as you sort of point out is the kick meters um, that averages with only 90 odd kick meters. So if we push that up to 150 or, or 200, you know, you're looking at three or four extra points and he might, squeeze there but mm. i mean the other point to keep in mind is the dragons are pretty comfortable wooden spoon favorites as well maybe there's some missed tackles there uh he's not you know playing in a system that is uh you know depending on which edge back rowers with with there it might be a rookie edge back rower next to him um and also there'll there's going to be the pressure that if uh if the dragons are losing which we anticipate they will um is it you know, is there going to be questions being asked about nepotism and whatever, and maybe they look to change it up with uh, with another player in the halves. So they obviously were shopping for another half because they bought tried to buy Ronald Volkman. So, yeah, I, there's a job security floor ceiling, you know, concerns across the park, and I'm going to not have him if he's not goal-kicking. There you go. Simple as that. And, yeah, the move from dogs to dragons probably doesn't help him too much, does it? Uh, no real improvement. Cam Murray in this one. So you'll uh, jump on again on the positive side for Cam, please, Mark. Yeah. Um, so the I guess on the positive side, it sounds like they're trying to find ways to keep Murray on the park. So obviously there's been some comments. There was some some sort of mail floating around that um, that Talis Duncan was going to be playing on an edge this year, but we've got it on good authority that that's not the case. And he's actually hasn't trained one day on the edge and he's just been playing in the middle. And uh, Demetrio came out with a comment that was something to the effect of, you know, we're really happy with Talis Duncan's development because it allows us to put Cam Murray out to the edge to have a rest every now and then, <laughs> which in my mind, I hear that and I hear we want to keep Murray on the park as long as possible. Yeah. So obviously, um, Murray and Haas had done a bit of a switcheroo this year where uh, we were really hot on um, Cam Murray coming off that monster season last year. And, you know, Haas exploded and Murray sort of actually started really, really well. Um, So him and so Murray was only one point on average behind Nathan Cleary in the opening four or five rounds. So they sort of went together and then Cleary obviously exploded and everybody that had him was happy and everyone that didn't have him was not happy. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me this year, if Murray's going to be playing at least 60 minutes a game, you look at his uh, average from just from last year where he had a poor season, uh, it's 62.7 uh, and the Rabbitohs didn't make the uh, didn't make the eight. So, you know, if you see this, you know, maybe there's an extra try or two in there or a try assist line break. You know, I remember in 2022 when the Rabbitohs, or was it 21, they were really good? 2021, 21, maybe they were really yep. good. 
Um, you know, he was, you know, busting the line for fun, scoring lots of tries, you know, he was kind of busy. So, um, yeah, maybe we see some more attacking, but you know, I see a 60 plus average player there priced at 57, a perfect vice captaincy option for those that aren't buying Payne Haas. And I don't think he's got to buy, oh, he's got to buy in round seven or somewhere in there, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously that <coughs> is one thing on, on the Haas side, but yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of uh, Murray this year. I'm just uh, for me, uh, it's really hard to put both him and Toller in. So um, that's kind of the only thing that's really stopping me from from just locking him into my team. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that buy in round seven, obviously in thirteen, you'd be looking to trade him out as well, given they um they have that buy in seventeen there as well. So he's going to miss. 13, 16, 17, and 7 in that first bit. So yeah, you're getting a guy that misses round 7. Yeah, Tatola is the other issue as well. Uh, and then yeah, you're looking to trade him out likely anyway from that point. That's probably my biggest negative on him. And and again, if there's some smoke and mirrors on that talk of like him just moving to the edge uh, as, as getting a rest like that, you know, may, maybe it's still 70 minutes that he's playing given he still averaged 68 was it 70 whatever let me take that away total minutes last year were 68 and that included a 32 minute game there as well so not much room to grow on minutes wise and and does that mean that he goes 50 minutes or 55 60 in the middle and then moves to the edge for a little bit and that takes away from some of his base that could be a negative it obviously could be a positive as well Another big thing to note where there was his increase in negative stats. So he's a 1.1 penalty per game last year and a 0.6 on the errors, which you go back to 2022, he was 0.4 penalty, 0.5 error, and very similar to that. Even lower on the penalties, a 0.3 uh, and a 0.6 in uh, in the error in the error count as well. There, so you know, does that does that stay in his game? Uh, if the Rabbitohs continue to not play too well, obviously, or does that actually turn around and help his score? It is hard to to take a negative stance on Murray, but that is the things you have to think of for him there. All right. Oh, I'm going to steal your thunder here on the on the positive side for for Penasini, mate. At 582, we know that you've got plenty to like about him. We will be actually interested to hear your negatives because I didn't hear any in your podcast. So 582k. For Will, he was in my team last year and he did help me out a fair bit. So I have plenty to like on him. It is obviously that back end of the year where it was a little bit lower for him. And that did coincide with Mitch Moses not being there and the Eels going on a decent slide. So that I can see as a a bit of a positive given that Moses is going to be there. Dylan Brown's going to be there and they should be good across both sides of the park. We saw last year when Brown was there at the beginning of the year, it did not affect his scoring. So don't worry about that side of it with that left side being super strong. They still had uh, Dylan Brown and a really good left edge. Anyway, what you're looking for with Penasini is the consistency. His lowest score over that first, what, 15 games there was a 32 in round two there. And that only involved a one bit of attacking stat with a line break assist. So if that's the floor for a keeper level center, for a guy you're going to get, going to be getting playing in round 13, 14, 17, and 19, it does seem like a, a bit of a slam dunk if the center position is terrible. Yeah, this is a, a really hard <laughs> negative side. Sorry, for mate. Me. Yeah, um, if I was going to try to point to a negative, 
I'd suggest it would lie in the idea of uh, not taking players who have just done the career best version of something as being, you know, something that's prescriptive. So, I mean, if you look at Penasini over the, the 2021 and 2022, obviously, you know, you look at the base stats, it was 27 and then 27 and a half. And then it jumped up to 29 and a half last year. You know, maybe we, you know, see him go back to, you know, a couple of points off the base. I assume that's probably run meters. Uh, we saw a big shift last year in terms of uh, the centers uh, on average. Um, I did some calculations on most uh, like sort of fantasy relevant centers and, every single one of them had higher run meters and tackle busts from the years prior. And I think that was just reflective of the ball going to the edge more and, and coaches asking centers to do some more work. But uh, for me, I think uh, Sean Lane could actually uh, take away a little bit from, from Penasini. Obviously they've got, uh, you know, a, a more, a, an extra weapon in the team that, you know, can be relied on. I don't know if you remember, the uh the Dylan Brown Sean Lane left edge experience from 2022, uh and you know the Eels seemed to go right a lot last year and it was Penasini sort of getting around somebody on the outside and and running down the sideline and I wonder if maybe it's sort of the the attack balances up a little bit and you know obviously Bailey Simonson was really really good in the centers last year if they decide to go that way or Morgan Harper as well who's an experienced campaigner, um where you know they were obviously running around with Walker Blake or you know, some other doofus there last year. So, um, oh, and, you know, Matt Dory played heaps there. He didn't do anything. So, of course, Penasini was getting more balls. So, I, I think if, it, yeah, if I was going to make an argument against Penasini, it would be the idea that maybe he had sort of an outlier season in terms of uh, attacking output and, and base stats due to the pieces that were around him. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move along to Reedy. If you can go to the positive side on Mr. Reed Marnie with the doggies. Oh no, not positive. No. So, um, Reed is such a hard one because uh, an eighty-minute Reed Marnie should theoretically be a keeper. That's the thing, and obviously, he averaged like forty last year. It was just absolutely horrendous. Um, and a lot of that was actually it was almost it was all missed tackles. Is is the problem? So we uh, had a bit of a look at Reed. Obviously, Reed had the highest missed tackle count last year of any player. Um, and that was obviously a function of him being a hooker and playing the large majority of the games. Uh, so if you have a look at his um, demerits, he 2019 was minus 10, 2020 minus seven, 2021 minus six and a half. Uh, and then he jumps over to the dogs and then it's minus 10, and then last year, minus 15.4, which was just absolutely shocking. Massive amounts of missed tackles. I used to be sort of 1.8 missed tackles a game before he did his shoulder and then came over the dogs and it was like three something in 2022 and then up to five and a half last year. So, um, and towards the end of the year, it seems like it got worse. Uh, obviously you see nine, nine and 10 in the last three rounds. It also could have just been an element of them sort of giving up a little bit. Um, you see with Reed though, the the attack is up. The you know the touching the ball, the kick meters are all up. So you know theoretically, uh, Reed's upside is somewhere near what he did in twenty twenty one, which is a sixty average player. Um, but he's got to cut the demerits out, and the biggest way to do that is 
by the Bulldogs actually having middle forwards that aren't named yeah. Max King to to support him defensively. Obviously, he was just getting run over last year. So um, with the addition of Josh Curran, even Kurt Mann, who's going to be playing in the middle, they've got Knight there, breakout Sam Hughes is uh, is apparently coming. And obviously, Preston and Kikau do a great job. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can even just arrest some of that uh, negatives and get it back to like even the the three um, because if you know you, all you have to do is get it back to 2022 numbers and he goes back to a 47 average uh, which you know is some value but you know I'd like to see that you know I'd like to see that sort of nudge 50 and it's definitely possible um, just obviously needs to get the the demerits under control yeah for sure um I was going to give you another positive was obviously you see yeah, the buy schedule uh, won't be playing origin there. So 13, 16, he's there. And really the, the main worry for us here is, is the, the volatility on him because of those negative stats. He has a 30 in his game. And, and we all know that yes, last year he started incredibly well. Wasn't able to, wasn't having as many missed tackles in those first three weeks, but it quickly jumped up from there. And as soon as you see those big missed tackle games is when you see the thirties and the 40, and if you're paying 580 is not a crazy amount of money, but if you're paying that for someone that's picking you up a 30 or 33, two to three weeks in a row, that just spells trade for, for most people, I think. So that is probably the biggest negative to read. He could he is very, very risky in terms he can come out and absolutely kill it for you, uh, but he could come out and hit a bunch of 30s in a row and uh, and really leave you in the lurch and, and really behind, I suppose, when you know someone might go for a Brandon Smith at the 540 and he could come out and, and absolutely kill it uh, as well. Again, he has that positive in him. Uh, or you could go for a Reese Robson or something who could also just be a bit of a bounce back type of player. So at 580, he's definitely a big risk on that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 